you don't even really need a a book. So I think I might just go old school and just buy a couple books and maybe take like 30 minutes an hour every day and just like read about it and read about different things. Yeah, I was thinking about getting some books too. I got a couple I'm finishing now. I don't want to buy books and I have what I already have here that I have not finished. So I'm going to finish these. And I know like I want to get uh, that Think, Grow Rich book that everybody be talking about. Um, I, no, I, read, I read part of it. I read like the first like three or four chapters of it, but I haven't, I haven't finished it yet. I want that one. I know I want to get the 50 Cent book. People said that one was a good book too. Um, what, what was it? Uh, get Rich, Hustle, or something. Some book where he's sitting in like a, a king's chair. Everybody said that book was good. Uh, this book called The Big Leap. Um, so I'm definitely trying to get more into, like you said, carve out at least an hour in your day towards reading. Yeah. A lot of people don't do that no more. Yeah, because you'll see, like, once you do it, because I feel like once I start doing it, like, that hour will just feel like, just goes by like that. Once you just, I might just put my phone on Do Not Disturb and just take an hour to myself to kind of, like, learn about Especially if you get a good read, too. That's what it is. If it's not a good read, that hour's going to drag, drag along, but... Get a good read, educational, thought-provoking. Um, but we're gonna get into it. It is another episode of the Bench Mob Podcast. We are back. It's another installment. I'm here with my boy Miles. How you doing today, man? Doing good. New week, new beginnings. Let's do this. Yeah, this week I I like how it's looking uh, in Jersey. The weather is getting pretty decent this week in the 60s it's cold right now but the next few days like after tomorrow it's going to be in the 60s that's good yeah i see a 66 saturday 66 sunday might get a couple of morning ball runs in outside maybe, me. maybe some time on the golf course you know i thought yeah. the season was over but hey they, they're trying to let me back let me back in so yeah i forgot you on your, your tiger woods now <laughs> But it was a jam-packed Sunday again with football, uh, which we discussed. It's kind of the only thing we got going on right now in sports. Um, we're going to start off, you know, recapping week eight. Steelers, Ravens, Steelers pull out this game 28-24. What's some of your takeaways from this game? This is kind of like that rivalry game that everybody tunes into. And I was kind of upset because they didn't have it on TV at all like you only could see it on red zone or if you're streaming it online but like come on you got to take the jets game off we don't need to see Mahomes <laughs> do five touchdowns and all this stuff carrying tyree kill off the field I don't <laughs> see that. I've, seen, I've seen it for eight weeks now i'm good i'm good with the jets at this point they could you could put them on pbs maybe <laughs> maybe the kids could learn something about how how losing can affect you but uh, the Steelers-Ravens game was good. That was a good one because it, it got off to a rough start. You know, weather was affecting it. Like, Ben Roethlisberger looked rough against that Ravens defense, which is elite. Like, both defenses are probably, like, one and two in the league. So it was going to be tough. Like, Lamar, 
I don't know. This year he just doesn't look as good as he did last year, which, I mean, nobody's going to be able to look that good because last year he was on another world. But they really need him to, like, kick it into another gear, like relive some of that stuff from last year because there's going to be games like this. They can't – they've lost to two teams that are going to be right there in the AFC. They lost to the Steelers and they lost to the Chiefs. Like, they – something's got to give. Like, they, the defense is elite. Like, that's going to keep them in games. Now they need Lamar to take that next leap and start winning games instead of just riding the defense, which is basically what they've done. Like, last year, they were good. Come playoff time, people were on it. They were on the Lamar, you know, run, pass, option. And I think people are kind of keying in on that now. So now you got to try to, like, I was going to ask you that. Do you think this year it's Lamar Jackson? Is it the same player? Is it the same quarterback? Or is it just the league has completely caught up to him? I think, I mean, that was really his first year starting last year. Like he started like half the games the year before his rookie year, but he didn't really throw it that much. He was like more of a, a athlete playing quarterback his rookie year. Then he took that next step last year. And now he's kind of taking a step back, which – it's it's kind of affecting their standing in the AFC. Like Chiefs are clearly the best team in the AFC. Well, I mean, I say clearly because Steelers look really good with that defense and Ben Roethlisberger dumping off to all those receivers that they got. They're not they're not the top team in the in the conference anymore. Like last year, they had the best record. This year, they're going to be fighting for a wild card spot because I don't see them jumping ahead of the Steelers. I don't really see many teams beating the Steelers this year. They could honestly lose one or two games max. And one of those games might be week 17 where they sit everybody because they don't have to play. They don't, there's no risk of injury if they don't play. So, but with the Ravens, I, I just don't, I don't know. Like they, they don't have an easy schedule. Like the defense is basically carrying this team. Because Lamar, I mean, if you look at it, he's thrown for over 200 yards maybe twice this year. Like, as a starting quarterback in this league, that's not really going to fly. And especially you're not, like, lighting the the league on fire with your legs this year like you were last year. Like, he's rushed for 100 yards once, which that's cool. But look who you did it against. You didn't do it against one of these better teams. So you look at last night, last – well, yesterday's game and – I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm rooting for Lamar. Like, I like Lamar a lot, but he's got a lot of pressure riding on him this year, more than probably any other quarterback in the league, just because he's 0-2 in the playoffs. He's got an elite defense that's ready to win right now. It's almost reminiscent of, like, Joe Flacco when they won the Super Bowl. Like, that defense was unreal and almost just needed the offense not to make any mistakes, and you win. But this team... He's not the same passer as Joe Flacco. I feel like Joe Flacco is a little bit of a better passer. Not to say that Lamar's not head over heels better than Joe Flacco, but passing-wise, he's not there yet. I, I, I think most people can agree with that. He's not there as a passer yet. So, I mean, yeah. my bad. Yeah. I went on a little rant there, but <laughs> go ahead. Nah, it's, it's a tough situation. He ends up with two picks, two fumbles in that game yesterday. If they don't turn the ball over – Who's to say we're looking at a 
Steelers team get their first loss uh, last night. Um, and Ravens pretty much did they part in regards of the defense and even in the front of running as a team, they outran Pittsburgh 265 yards to 48 yards. The Ravens did their part. That's what they do. They run it. So if you can't win with the run, I don't know. I don't know what I could really say about the Ravens at this point. Like you even have Marquise Brown after the game saying like, how are you going to have killers and not use them? Cause he had one catch the whole game. Like he's their deep threat, but that's the issue with this team. They don't really throw it deep. Like this whole team is built around kind of like short passes. And I mean, that worked a lot last year cause it was the first time they, people were seeing this, but this year, it's not going to work like that. Yeah, I think they maybe need to switch it up, and then we'll see what happens if they bring Des Bryant off the practice squad, who will fit into their system of the short passes. We're not expecting Des Bryant to go long and stretch out the defense for them, but that's the style they want to play. Maybe you bring Des Bryant off that uh, practice squad. He'll fit into that system. We can see I mean, as much as of that, even when he was healthy with the Cowboys, he wasn't really a big-time egg go down 60 yards, we give you a pass type uh, wide receiver. Other game we saw, Titans, Bengals. Bengals pull out the win at 31-20. Joe Burrow throws for two TDs, 249 yards. Takeaways from the Titans losing to the Bengals. I didn't think that the Bengals would be a trap game for them, but it, it turned out that way. Just that defense was – brutal for Tannehill to go against for some reason. I don't know. Cause this Bengals team is not that good. Like Joe Burrow's nice. He's going to be really good in this league, but right now they're not like a team competing for the playoffs. And that's the opposite of what the Titans are. Like they're probably one of the better teams in this conference. Like you just, you have Derrick Henry and you got Ryan Tannehill, just ride them for the whole season. And they made the AFC championship last year. So it was just a confusing game, how it was going. Like, nothing was really working. The blocking wasn't really working for the, the Titans. Nobody was really making that many plays besides, who was it, Corey Davis got a lot of playing time. But, yeah, Joe Burrow, he's <laughs> he's the real deal. And this gives Bengals fans hope for coming years that they got their guy. Like, they – they had Andy Dalton, and what we've seen from him as a cowboy shows that's why you got rid of him. And, yeah, Joe Burrow is already better than what Andy Dalton was for them for all those years. And just just add some pieces around him, and, and you'll be good. But the Titans, they need to regroup because that's two straight losses, one to the Steelers, and then they almost carried that loss over to the next week, and they lose to the Bengals, which is a head-scratcher. Yeah, still, you can understand that. That's, as we said, one of the arguably the better teams in the AFC, maybe a Super Bowl contender, which we'll talk later about on. But to lose to the Bengals, that wasn't how they should have came out, especially being that, you know, they're supposed to be contenders and they're supposed to be this team that, you know, possibly can make some noise. Um, one thing to point out again, concerning the Bengals, as you say, maybe get some more weapons around him. A.J. Green still has not really shown up this year, only had two catches yesterday out of the five targets, two catches, 19 yards. Um, this might be the end for A.J. Green in a Bengals uniform. 
the next game, which was no surprise to I don't think anybody in the world um, from ages zero to on their deathbed, the Eagles pulled out the win against the Dallas Cowboys, um, America's team, which I think right now you can say with everything going on in America, they are America's team. They really exemplify what America is about. 23-9, to um, Danucci, who was so excited to be a Cowboy and to play, two fumbles, only 180 yards passing. Eagles didn't look that good themselves. Wentz, two interceptions, one in the end zone, two fumbles. What are your takeaways from uh, this game? Uh, my real, real question, should the NFL take all televised NFC East games off TV? Like, should they just go throughout the schedule? Any EFC East game that is televised should be taken off of TV. Really? A Sunday night game? Y'all still left that? Yeah, that was the, the primetime game? Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, there's not many good games played in, in this division right now, especially now Dak's hurt. Like, that game might have been more interesting if it was Dak against Wentz, but Danucci against Wentz is not something I want to see on Sunday night. And, I mean, I watched that whole game. It was brutal. Somehow, Cowboys had the lead at halftime, I think, and that was it. They they should have tried to stop it after that and tried to get them to forfeit the second half because that's the only way they're going to win any games and that, that was probably the best the defense has played all season, honestly. They wasted that performance, but that's what happens when you don't have a quarterback. <laughs> Andy Dalton got hurt. You got to start Danucci, who I probably wouldn't have even thought he'd start in the CFL, let alone start an NFL game. And he was just awful. He was awful because that game was still close, for yeah. like four quarters, and then, you know, the fumble happened, the take it to the house. It just it didn't end well. And that's probably the last we see of Danucci in the NFL, honestly, because he didn't really show he has any use besides holding the clipboard. But do you, think this, do you think this is a situation? I, I highly doubt that Gary Jones would do it, but this is a situation where you have to mention, like Josh Hart brought it up on Twitter yesterday. You're telling me that Kaepernick isn't better than Danucci or can produce the same thing that he did, 21 out of 40 attempts, 180 yards? You're not wrong. I'd probably say Kaepernick's better, but – everybody's just still caught up on that whole, it's not going to, they don't want that circus around the team. And I don't want to call, I don't like calling it a circus, but there's going to be way more attention on your backup quarterback than the team that's two and six and borderline last place in the worst division in the NFL. Like it would just, if you want a distraction, then yeah, sign Kaepernick, have him there to take some of the heat off of, Jerry Jones paying all these guys and they can't win a game. So, I mean, Kaepernick sounds all good and well, but it doesn't make sense for the Cowboys to, you know, go that route at this point. I mean, at this point, they might as well just keep trying to lose and get a high draft pick, 
not pick a quarterback, but add some more talent to this team because you're going to have to cut some guys. Some guys are going to need to get paid. <clears throat> Dak is going to need to get paid, and they should have paid him already. Now it's going to be even worse because he's coming off an injury. I don't know. It's not looking really good for the future with the Cowboys, especially like Zeke's not looking that good. The line is banged up, awful. I don't know. There's a lot of factors going on with the Cowboys. and Yeah, I think with how they're playing, this is apparent and obvious how valuable Dak is to their team, but also it's apparent and obvious I'm going to be intrigued to see how these negotiations go down. Yes, he's coming off an injury, but this is abysmal. You, I still, you still might have to give him um, his money. If he wants 25, maybe you don't give him 25. Maybe you give him. He'll take that franchise tag again if they offer him 25 a year because he's not, he's worth, I mean, he showed he's worth more than 30 mil this year. Like literally, he was the reason they were in all these games because the defense couldn't stop a nosebleed. Like they just were out there, just breathing, not. You're not stopping anybody. Like even the cat, even the Baker Mayfield led Browns were able to torch this defense. That's just that says everything you need to know. How bad it's been this year. And I mean, the Dak injury just made matters worse. But yeah, if I'm him, I'm going in there. I'm he's steam. He's got to be steaming right now because one. This is the reason why he wanted to get paid now to avoid having to go through this now, because now this just makes it harder for him, harder for the Cowboys to pay him. And it's just going to, it could be an ugly situation that that's coming for the Cowboys because they're, they're paying their running back nearly a hundred mil. They're paying Demarcus Lawrence well over a hundred mil. Their offensive line is getting paid a lot of money. It's like even Jalen Smith is getting paid a lot of money, and he's been so-so. Like, is it, it'll come a point when you just look at this Cowboys team and think, like, maybe we need to just break this whole thing down and just start over. Like, maybe we build around Dak, but some of these pieces don't fit in the timeline with Dak at all. Yeah, you got to look at it, and they might have to be built from the ground up. It's at this point, it's like, where do they go with all this money tied up into a lot of these pieces that aren't performing? So it's going to be an interesting offseason for them. Um, I was one of the main people like, nah, Dak, I wouldn't pay Dak. But looking at how this season's going, the man, you got to pay that man his money. Uh, transitioning, somebody that really did not get paid money and might not get paid anything that he wants next season either cam newton um patriots lose 24 21 at the end of the game they're down in field goal position just need a field goal at least the tie to go on overtime cam fumbles the ball um takeaways from this game and are we seeing the end of cam newton possibly as a starter i mean we can't I feel like that might be a little drastic just because if you look at who he has to throw to and handing the ball off, it's not like he's almost in the same situation as Sam Donald with the Jets. Like he's got no weapons right now. Like Edelman's out. Nikhil Harry's out. 
he's throwing to a bunch of undrafted free agents and journeymen that you've never even heard of until you watch the game or you look at fantasy and you're like, oh, who's this Myers guy? I've never heard of him. It's like, it's crazy. Like Cam is fine, I think. I mean, he's struggling right now just because there's not much he can do with the weapons that they have right now. Like they don't really have a tight end. They traded Gronk for basically nothing to the Buccaneers, basically as a favor for Tom Brady. And look what it's it's gotten them. Like they have nothing. So, I mean, hopefully they win next week because they they play us. And I don't (laughs) – this could – I was listening to a podcast earlier and it had me thinking like, dang, this could be one of those times where we win a game for no reason and – this is just Bill Belichick, like, throwing it back in the Jets' face again. Like, first he left us after, like, 30 seconds as our head coach. Then he makes us lose out on this generational quarterback because at this point it's almost like a foregone conclusion that if we get the number one pick, Sam's not going to be a Jet anymore. And as much as that sucks because he's been put in the worst possible position, it's it's going to be what's going to happen. So why not just embrace it? Like just lose, but they have a Monday night game next week. For some reason I saw on Twitter, someone was like, Hey, let's put that game at 5am. So we could save people some time wasted from watching that game. Cause Patriots jets doesn't really hold any weight at least this year. And I think Belichick would, he would be smiling under his mask if he could give us a win next week and take us out of the running for Trevor Lawrence. Because there's a lot of teams that have one win that probably that'll be their only win of the season. So we might have to go 0-16 to get this done. And usually I don't advocate tanking and losing because, I mean, I have a couple teams that have been doing that with no success. And... <laughs> maybe it works this time i don't know maybe it works but come on cam you got if you got anything in the tank lay it all out there next monday at eight o'clock in metlife if i could go there I'd, I'd buy a patriots jersey just to cheer them on so they could beat us i have my my jets jersey underneath but they got to come out on top next week yeah speaking of those teams like you got the Jags and Giants both are one and six and both are in situations where they would definitely draft Lawrence with Daniel Jones and obviously Jacksonville are not believers of Minshew anymore. So they're both in that running for it. So you, like you said, you guys might have to go on 16. Um, looking at this game though, are we still considering the bills as real contenders coming out of the AFC or was it just another Great scheme, great job by Bill Belichick putting the Patriots in a position to win. Honestly, I don't know, because the Bills started off hot. Like, Josh Allen was probably one of the hottest quarterbacks in the NFL. And then over the last, like, three, four games, he's kind of tailed off. And now we're starting to see the Josh Mm -hmm. Allen that we saw before. Kind of like he's making some throws, but he's missing an equal amount. So I don't know. They That defense isn't that good. Because even we could have beat them last week. And I was sitting there 
hoping that the Bills could somehow pull that one out, and they did. So I don't know. They're, they're the best team in the division right now, and that's only because two teams are, I don't want to say tanking, but they don't really have much to play for. And then the Dolphins, who they put two out there, and they're really not – having him throw the ball downfield. Like he, I don't even think he had over a hundred yards passing last, last night. And that's not going to be the case for the whole season. But I mean, this Dolphins team isn't challenging that Bills team at all. Now they are a game and a half out behind the Bills. Um, Mission and Tua talk about it. Tua was 12-22, 90 yards, a touchdown and a fumble in his opening as a career starter. This was his stat line. Um, they won the game, though. One of the things that you might have to consider, you know, if the Bills keep playing like this, the Dolphins do have an elite, uh, maybe not elite, but a really good defense. They scored on defense and special teams. That was pretty much their uh, <laughs> majority of scoring last night in their game. So if the Bills don't get it together, and if Josh Allen isn't able to get on that, hot streak again, you might be seeing, you know, the Bills and Dolphins battling for that number four seed to be into the playoffs. Um, they started off hot, but they've been kind of shaky ever since. Um, last game we'll talk about, which was a slew of games, but this one was another interesting one. Chargers, Broncos. Chargers were up big, end up losing 31 to 30. Herbert had another pretty pretty much big game, 278, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Locke, though, Locke came out and had a really good game, three touchdowns, one interception. It was documented how he had this great inspirational halftime speech. Um, Takeaways from this game and just seeing how Herbert has been balling since he's been given that starting job. Yeah, Herbert's been balling, but they've also blown – a good amount of leads in these this last month, basically three games they've blown where they were up by two touchdowns. So as good as he's playing, they got to finish somehow because, I mean, the coach is good. He's, he's a good coach. They're not ready to win yet, as you can see. I mean, teams that are ready to win aren't going to blow leads like this to the Broncos, who they're not necessarily – Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. So I don't know. That game was confusing because I just assumed that the Chargers were going to win that one. They were up by so much. Yeah. I stopped looking at it. 28 second half points for the Broncos. I was shocked to see that. Yeah. And Drew Locke. Yeah. He's, he's had an up and down season, but if you look at it, this is their guy. And he kind of showed that, you give me some time and patience. <laughs> I can get it done. I can get the job done. He's not John Elway, but he's definitely better than some of the options they've had. Like he's better than Tim Tebow and Paxton Lynch, some of the terrible draft picks John Elway's had. So, I mean, hopefully this, this helps them in the future. This, this, they feed off this. Some of their guys are hurt. Like Courtland, Courtland Sutton's hurt. I mean, Philip Lindsay's a little banged up. Um, who else? I mean, it was a big – it was another one of those, just like we mentioned with the Steelers and Ravens, Eagles, Cowboys, the division game. So the division games could go 
either way, um, no matter what the record, you could throw the records out. Teams play the hardest against their division uh, rivals. Pats, Bills, close game. So another situation, Chargers, Broncos, same division. Um, they both pretty much suck, but hey, if we go into the end of the year, the offseason, like we beat the Chargers, though, that's a little, little small victory for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they know they're not, neither of the teams are going to beat Kansas City, so. No chance, not this year, maybe like 10 years from from now when Mahomes is a little older, you know, but. Last year of his contract. Yeah, last year that that mega deal that he signed. Um, but it had us thinking, talking about, you know, we're at the midway point, basically. Um, week eight is about to be done tonight. We have that Bucks-Giants game. Uh, I think it's safe to say we don't even need to talk about that. We're both in agreement, I think, that the Bucks are going to win this game. Safe to say? We're the same page? I'm, we're on the same page. All right. I don't see any midlife magic happening tonight. All right, so we're looking at at this midway point, uh, possible Super Bowl contenders who we think possibly can actually win this whole thing. Looking at the playoff picture right now, this year, you know, they have a different format. Seven teams are going to be able to get in. And the AFC, the number one seed, you got Pittsburgh, the Kansas City Chiefs, Buffalo, Tennessee, Baltimore, Indiana, and Cleveland actually right now. With a five and three record, with the Raiders and Miami both at four and three behind them, possibly to get in there. And then you got in the NFC: Seattle, Green Bay, Saints, Philly, Arizona, Tampa Bay, and the Rams also at five and three. With the 49ers at four and four, and the Bears behind them at five and three. Um, who do you think are actual Super Bowl contenders thus far? I mean, you have to say the Chiefs and the Steelers out of the AFC. I mean, those are probably the two teams that are going to meet meet in the, the AFC championship if everything goes according to plan. Nobody gets hurt. I mean, I, I would like to see a, a Chiefs-Seahawks Super Bowl, see Mahomes and Russ go at it and, and see who's the better team because Seahawks are the best team in the NFC. I mean, I think we're we're in agreement on that. And Chiefs, record-wise, aren't the best team, but I think if they play the Steelers, they're going to be able to get the job done. Because offensively, there's not many teams that are going to match up with the Chiefs. Like, they just have so many weapons that they could give away some and still be fine. (laughs) But the Steelers, I mean, Big Ben, do I really believe he can – work that magic still like he used to, you know, when they won the Super Bowl maybe 10 years ago. I don't know. I don't think he's that quarterback anymore, but you got to rely on that defense. Hopefully, hopefully that defense is Mahomes' kryptonite and he can they can stop him that way. But I really I think it's going to be one of those two AFC teams and the Seahawks because I don't really see any other teams in the NFC doing much to affect the, the Seahawks because they, they're letting Russ eat this year. Like he, he might set a record for himself in touchdown passes, probably over 40 at this point. Cause I think he has over 20 right now and there's still like two months left in the season. So he might get that MVP, but we'll see who gets that ring. Yeah. You looking at it. Um, I still think Kansas city, we uh, put this on our, IG page as you know something for people to vote on I still see Kansas City as the best team 
in the AFC. Uh, Pittsburgh, they got the win, but they did struggle stopping the run. Um, as we saw yesterday, Kansas City didn't even have to run because it seemed as if we heard in the post game the Jets' main focus was to stop the run yesterday. Um, so, I, a la, they didn't want Le'Veon Bell to have a good game and then make them look bad, which the dumbest thing ever. You're going to do cover one against Patrick Mahomes and all the weapons he's have. So, I still am going to pick Kansas City as the favorite coming out of there. Uh, still has struggled. Um, Seattle, definitely coming out of the NFC. The Packers was – they lost yesterday, which wasn't a good loss for them. Um, you had Minnesota running all over them. New Orleans, do we really believe in Drew Brees? Not really. We'll see, um, we'll see if uh, Michael Thomas is able to keep it in check and help them a little bit. Philly, they're getting in there just because they won the division. Yeah. Arizona, uh, not as a Super Bowl contender. They're doing better this year. They're doing good, but not a Super Bowl contender. And I still, when it comes down to it, Tampa Bay, maybe seeing Seattle, I'm going to pick Seattle over that matchup. Um, speaking of Tampa Bay, though, What's your thoughts on them signing Antonio Brown and what happens in regards to Mike Evans, who really hasn't been seeing the touches this year at all? Now you add on Antonio Brown to already Mike Evans, Gronkowski, Godwin, and Gronkowski is getting to a groove now. How does that happen, that pan out for Mike Evans? It's not looking good. I mean, in fantasy, I would be trying to trade every – Mike Evans stock that I have just because AB's coming back. Him and Tom Brady already had chemistry before that. Not to mention Godwin, probably a more athletic receiver at this point. I mean, he's battling injuries. It's going to be tough. Like, AB is AB. He's quick. I know he still has it. I mean, out of sight, out of mind, people could forget about how good AB was two years ago, but Honestly, I think this adds another wrinkle to that team. And that's the only other team, I think, in the NFC that could really challenge the the Seahawks is Tom Brady's Buccaneers because that defense looked legit against the Packers. Tom Brady's starting to pick it up. He's starting to play well again. And we'll see. But A.B., that's like – huge that's like getting putting Kawhi Leonard on the Lakers and just being like oh we got him because he was there nobody else was willing to go after him but he's here now and it's 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 going to be tough for the league now I think if they match up it'll be a shootout um I think Seattle will be able to probably break down that Buccaneer defense and still be able to you know get their points, get their moves, you know, DK Metcalf, um, Russell Wilson, not really using a running game. He runs, he's the running game. Basically you got, as you mentioned, Metcalf, um, Lockett. So I think that's the way to move the ball. I think Tampa Bay might be, they have the potential to be like the Chiefs in a sense on the offensive side and the NFC with, you know, Leonard Fournette is actually getting going a little bit. LaShawn McCoy still is on that roster with a Tom Brady who could figure out to use him. And then you add AB to that mix. And if they could get Mike Evans going somewhat, I mean, he, he has six touchdowns, but in regards to getting the catches and the yards, 
he hasn't gone over 100 yards but one time this season. So that's not something that we saw over the last couple of years with Mike Evans and Jameis Winston, who is not on the same level as Tom Brady. But we'll see what happens. Uh, flag on the play segment, accept or decline. Well, I started off the first one. Perfect transition since we were just talking about Tampa Bay. A.B.'s living quarters this season, accept or decline. I'll accept it. This should be interesting. So Antonio Brown will be living at Tom Brady's house for, as far as we can see, for cerebral feature during the season. It seems like the agreement was Antonio Brown is signed to the Bucks. It will be Tom Brady's responsibility to get him to practice, make sure he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. What's your thoughts on uh, A.B. living with Tom Brady for the season? I mean, hopefully they don't have to call the cops because there's a domestic dispute between <laughs> A.B. and Tom Brady because if he's not getting the ball, I don't know how well that's going to be sitting with him, especially at the dinner table later later that night. So that'll be that'll be fun. That'll be interesting. That, that'll add another <laughs> personality, per, some personality into that house because I feel like it could get dry sometimes, but A.B., he'll bring his chains, he'll bring his, you know, flamboyancy into Tom Brady's house, you know. He'll, he'll probably be playing video games with the kids, but we'll see. Maybe that's that's how you keep him calm. You you give him some something to play with at the house, and then he'll he'll chill out a little bit. Yeah, that's an interesting, you know, perspective right there. You add A.B. to the dinner table with Giselle and the kids. That'll be uh, interesting. And, hey, Tom Brady vouched for this guy. So I'm, I, I think, you know, even when he was in New England, it seems like he um, seemed like he was on his best behavior. And he was living with Tom Brady then. So it might be some good things coming in the future for A.B. right there. Uh, Clay Thompson launching a CBD brand called Just, Lock, Just Live. Except for the clock. Yeah. Uh, Clay Thompson now becomes the first active player to back a CBD campaign. He's also doing it with other athletes like Alex Morgan. Um, do you think the NBA will officially, you know, like how they had it in a bubble, will they take that off of the uh, banned list of things they get tested for CBD? I mean, I don't even think CBD should be on the banned list to begin with because it's, it's something that people use to – it has healing properties to it. So – I mean, same thing with like marijuana. It has healing components to it that instead of getting addicted to opioids and other painkillers that some of these players have had to take, you can use CBD, which is, it has its benefits to it. So I think, I mean, shout out to Clay Thompson, not being afraid to be the first guy to get involved with that, especially in the NBA, because I know, I did see last week, who is it? Sean Kemp opened the first Black-owned distillery, uh, weed distillery yep. uh, in, in Seattle. And, I mean, he's not a player anymore, but that's kind of the way things are moving at this point. There's probably going to be, once it's legal in more places than just the Midwest and West Coast, then you'll see guys getting involved in that because that's another – way of making money it's not like selling drugs it's you're capitalizing on 
something that America's probably capitalized on for decades now. So, and you won't get arrested for it, hopefully. So free all those people that were arrested for you know, weed and all that other stuff. Because if you're going to make it legal, you also got to, you know, clear people of those crimes that at the time it was illegal. But CBD, I don't, I don't see the downside in it at all. I think a lot of players use it in the off season. I mean, it, it's like you said, it shouldn't be on the banned substance list. Like CBD is not bad for you at all. Yeah, I think the NBA is going towards that. Um, like they didn't test for it in uh, in the bubble, so I think they're leaning towards that. The NBA actually approved, you know, backed Clay Thompson in doing so. The NBA is pretty progressive in that regard, so I think that'll happen. And Clay Thompson mentioned how it helped in the healing process. You know, he just came off of surgery, mm-hmm. so it's helped with that. And it's the different types. Like everybody just automatically assume CBD, marijuana, that you're talking about smoking a joint. But he's mentioned how, you know, it's the, the creams and you have pill form, you have gummies, and it's helped him sleep at night. He's getting eight hours of sleep, um, which, as we know, is important in the recovery process. So I think within the next five years, you'll see the NBA be one of the first um, out of the between them and the NFL to actually, you know, be kind of cool with CBD and the CBD use. Um, Another rumored report coming out right now is that LaMelo Ball will not, it is not guaranteed to be a top three pick, except with a climb. I'll accept it. As of right now, it's rumored and believed that uh, LaMelo is purposely not doing well in interviews because he does not want to be on the T-Wolves or Golden State specifically. T-Wolves, you know, they have D'Angelo, that probably won't mix, and Golden State, you have Steph Curry. Thoughts on LaMelo supposedly not doing well at interviews on purpose? Um, I don't buy it. I think this is teams blowing smoke to try to get him to fall in the draft and maybe drive the, the asking price for trading up down a little bit, saying like, oh, he's tanking his draft stock right now. And I know you you want to get some value for it if you're not going to take them. So that's one of the, the cases this could be. But if you pass on him, I, I'm pretty sure that he'll probably make you regret it because he's, he's one of those special talents in this draft that, I mean, if you have a chance to get him and you have a opening at point guard or you want somebody who's going to be there and make plays for the team, this is the kid you want. Like that's the thing that puts him ahead of Anthony Edwards in this draft is that he makes everybody around him better. And that's what you want. You want guys that make people around them better. You don't want guys who are just focused on them, focused on scoring because there's a lot more than just scoring in the NBA. Like you, of course you need scorers, but you also need guys who bring something more. And with LaMelo, he brings a little more than what Anthony Edwards is going to bring you. So if the Timberwolves pass on him just because they have D'Angelo and they have Carl Towns, I don't know. Only person person I could agree with them passing on him for is Anthony Edwards because it might fit a little better because D'Angelo is the point guard and Anthony Edwards is the shooting guard. But, like, come on. You could 
you could have both of them out there. Like D'Angelo could be the shooting point guard out there and LaMelo's the guy getting the assists and running the offense and just see if that works. Cause I mean, D'Angelo can shoot. So he might even be better off playing that off guard type of role and being like a secondary facilitator on that team. But the fact that like people were kind of like saying LaMelo's stock is dropping. I don't buy it. Cause I mean, we've seen the kid in the limelight for years. He's been the only one who's been in the limelight for years and he's not phased by it. So if that's not who you want, then I don't, I don't know what to tell you. It's believed that he wants to go somewhere like New York. I can understand. um, Even you looking at that third pick, you got Charlotte there and they have not saying that he wouldn't start over them, but they have two point guards right there that one was in the running for most improved player and one you got traded from Boston, who's supposed to be one of your faces of the franchise. So I could get if that's his mindset. And I think players should kind of have a say in some way of how their career is going to go. Cause with the team you get drafted, that's what four or five years that you have to deal with typically depending on what team it is. If it's like a golden state, that's different, but a T-Wolves organization who has been for years trash, do you really want to start your first four years kind of wasted in an organization like that? Kind of what Eli Manning did, too, with him forcing his way to the Giants. So maybe you see that with Lawrence, too. Jets get that number one pick, and he's like, hey, we ain't doing that one. So I think I will and knock it if that's what really is happening. Last one, Ahmad Rashad played in the NFL except for the climate. You didn't know that? I did not know that. I did not know. I'm with Donovan Mitchell. I did not know that Ahmad Rashad played in the NFL. Not only did he play in the NFL. He's good. Man, Cowboys. 11 years. He was a four-time pro bowler, and he was named one of the 50 greatest Vikings of all time. I did not know that. I know. He just because he covers like the NBA and all that stuff. And he was all buddy, buddy with Michael Jordan, it probably confused, confused people unless you Google them. Like this is where people, you know, where people like, yo, Google me. This is one of those instances where you got to Google them to really know. Cause for the most part, people know Ahmad Rashad as that guy who covered basketball and best friends with Michael Jordan they don't know the guy before that who played in the NFL. And like you said, he was, he was good. He was a good receiver. So, I mean, he's all, he was also married to Mrs. Cosby too. We can't forget. We can't oh, forget that. We, we knew about Felicia. We knew about Felicia Rashad. We knew about that one. Yeah. But uh, he only came up today. Uh, well, yesterday he came up because Dalvin Cook was the first player, first running back since um, Ahmad Rashad to have, was it four touchdowns yesterday? He completely ran all over the Green Bay Packers um, and gave Vikings hope. They're still kind of in the playoff running with the seventh seed, so we'll see how that goes out. Um, but transitioning to some basketball, we have to talk about it. Daryl Morey was hired uh, for the Sixers. Now, it's a lot of big names in that organization now you got Daryl Morey Elton Brand Doc Rivers as the coach what do you think is or should be Daryl Morey's first 
move for that rock? His first move should be trying to figure out if this Ben Simmons and Bead combo is going to work with Doc Rivers coaching style because they might be a little, you know, <laughs> a little, I don't know what the word is, but it's not been the best fit because it's a little awkward because both guys are more post players than anything. So you have Ben Simmons who you have running point and up until the bubble when they made the switch to him playing off the ball a little more, he can't shoot and he doesn't shoot. And he, he's admitted that that's not a strength in his game. And when it, when he feels comfortable with it, then he'll start shooting. But right now he doesn't feel comfortable with that. And how long are you going to wait? Cause Embiid, honestly, that would be the guy I would move because he's like injury prone. And while his stock is so high right now, I would look at maybe even trade him to the Warriors, even though I know that would be that would be brutal for the NBA if Embiid went to the to the Warriors. But that would be something I would look at, seeing if they would give up that number two pick and somebody else, maybe even one of their young guys for Embiid, because you're gonna need something back. You don't you can't give up Embiid for nothing. Like you're gonna need to trade Embiid and get a starter or two to help this team. Preferably Maybe they give up that number two pick and a young piece. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, maybe they even try to work out a three-team trade so there's more options to be traded to each team. But I don't know. I just feel like Embiid is just not long for Philly. Like, it's just demeanor. Like, he, he tries to get – into people's heads, you know, get the crowd amped, but he also has this like lackadaisical feel and attitude. It feels like, like sometimes I feel like he turns it off. Like he turns it on and off when, depending on how the game's going, like in the playoffs, he did what he could, but there were times in the playoffs where it looked like he just shut down and you can't have that. If you're a superstar, like Ben Simmons, that would be the guy I build around. Cause honestly, People can talk bad about Ben Simmons all they want, but I think he's going to be one of the top 15 players in the NBA for the next 10, 12 years, honestly, because only thing missing from his game is a jump shot. He's elite on defense. His passing is great. He's a good rebounder. He does what you want out of a guy, and your number one pick, I mean, you'd expect him to – you know, try to score a little more. That's the only downside of Ben Simmons. Sometimes he gets a little too pass happy, but like Ben Simmons has more upside, I think, than Embiid does just because he'll be out there full 60 games if we're going to play that next year or 70 games next year. He'll be out there. Like he hasn't really gotten hurt except for towards the end of this year, but my belief is that like Ben Simmons is just scratching the surface. Like once that jumper starts falling and he figures, figures it out, like the sky's honestly the limit. And Ben Simmons is not a guy you trade. Like Embiid, that's a guy you flip while he's still hot and before the injuries start piling up. Cause it's always something every year with Joel Embiid. Like he always gets hurt. Like it's, there's taxes and there's Embiid missing games every year. That's almost the given. 
in this country. Like that's the that's the thing where I think it's also gonna be hard because all the other teams see the same thing. They see that Embiid is always injured. So they might not be able to get as much as they want from. I'm intrigued to see uh Daryl Morey, who is the champion and the promoter of micro ball and small ball. I'm intrigued to see what they will be running with Doc Rivers, who kind of was doing a little bit of small ball with that Clippers uh, roster towards uh, the playoffs and the end. So I'm intrigued to see that. If they're going, you know, towards that route, you can definitely probably see and be not being there. They might get a less traditional centerpiece, one of the ones that like now, you know, the hybrid stretch five, defend the rim type of player. Um, so that'll be something intriguing to see. And speaking of what a team will be running, possibly, you see that over the weekend, the Nets have hired Ami Yadoka, and Mike D'Antoni is on the Nets staff along with Amari Stoudemire. But we're going to talk about D'Antoni. What do you think this offense is going to look like next year with Dan Tony now on the coaching staff with Steve Nash, who this is his first year coaching. So I'm pretty sure Dan Tony's going to have a high influence on the offense, especially since he also coached Steve Nash. So how do you see and pretty much has the most experience on that coaching staff as of right now? You got Amari Stoudemire first year. Yadoka, he's been in the league for a little bit. Steve Nash first year. And then, oh, yeah, we got Dan Tony who's been around so long that he's coached two of the players on that three of the players on that coaching staff. So it's going to be interesting. It almost looks like they're trying to bring the band back together from the old Phoenix Suns. But with this, I mean, it was funny. I was telling my buddy the other day, I'm like, Hey, maybe they bring Sean Marion back as like a trainer or something, help them out. But with this team, I just think that, I mean, DeAntoni had some good, things he brought to the the Rockets like it really opened up things with that team like they tried the small ball which I mean that was the last ditch effort basically for D'Antoni to see if it could work and it didn't really work so I mean usually with head coaches that get fired like this they take some time off and kind of like reevaluate the league and see kind of like what Tibbs did he sat out a couple years and now he's going to see what he can do to fix the Knicks. So maybe D'Antoni, he's seen some things that he can tell Steve Nash in his ear, like, hey, we need to do this. We need to focus on this. I mean, Steve Nash is not going to ask him about defense because that's never been one of his strong coaching suits because none of his teams have really been top 10 in the defensive statistics. They've probably been like bottom five. (laughs) But – Offensively, that's what I feel like D'Antoni's been brought in for. He's he's brought in there to really bring the most out of this team because if you look at it, the Nets could be nasty next year, and they should be nasty because they have Kyrie, one of the top five point guards in the league, KD, who, when he's healthy, I'd say still top three player in this league. You got Karras, who, I mean, it would, it would be – terrible if they trade him because I think he has so much potential and it would take so much more from your team to get somebody like Bradley Beal than just relying on somebody who's basically Bradley Beal light 
for your team. And then you got Spencer Dinwiddie off the bench. Like, leave this team alone. Don't mess it up. Like, just this is the first year they're playing, so they're going to have to knock out the kinks. You know, Steve Nash doesn't know exactly what to do as a head coach just yet. I mean, they always say point guards make great head coaches, so he has that going for him. But I I don't know. I think they've brought some good coaches around him to basically facilitate his development as a coach because he's going to be asking them questions on the daily. Like he's going to ask D'Antoni, like, what do you see out there? What What do you think offensively we could do? Because I, like I said, he's not going to ask him about defense. This is all he's being brought here to bring the most out of this team offensively. And I don't see, I mean, you could say he's also there as insurance just in case the players don't like Steve Nash as a coach. And then you just, you know, just let him go. Kind of like the Clippers did with doc and you got Ty Lu right there. Like he's, he's been a coach already. So he's kind of like, he might, you might even say he's, the voice behind the face of Steve Nash because he's been the coach for years and you can say all you want about D'Antoni, but most of his teams have been successful. Even the few years with the Knicks, he had success. We were like second in the East. So you can't, you could knock him for not winning rings and his playoff success, but I mean, he's got a winning record as a head coach. So I think that's what he'll bring to, Brooklyn and I mean what other what other uh coaches are on staff I forget what you just said I mean Yudoka uh Omari Stoudemire as of right now they haven't hired anybody else but those are the the two other names that they have on the staff right now I mean the Omari Stoudemire one's the only like head scratcher because I mean he was I thought I saw a headline a few months ago saying he was trying to make a comeback to the league and then now he's an assistant coach. And I don't know what he's going to even bring as a, an assistant coach. Is he like, is he there to, you know, joke around with them, play, play spades on road trips? I don't know. I think he's supposed to be a chaplain. Well, that's, that's an expensive, <laughs> that's expensive right there for him to just be all of that. I know he's in, you know, he went to Israel, you know, got in touch with being, he considers himself now as a black Jew. So maybe, you know, he's there to pray with the team and make sure that spiritually in tune for the season. Maybe that's what they hired him for. Speaking of D'Antoni's old team, they have filled that vacancy. Uh, They hired Steven who was the son of the well-known Paul Silas, who also was a coach. Um, what style of offense do you think they'll be playing now that there's no Dan Tony there who was much that seven seconds or less type of offense? As we mentioned, Daryl Morey, big on getting up 73-point attempts in a game. What type of style do you think they will be playing um, with Steven Silas at the helm now? Um they're going to score some points. That's for sure. Cause him coming from the Mavs where they were basically the best offensive team in the NBA last year or this past season, he really brought the most out of 
that team. And he brought the most out of Luca, helped him develop. Like, you just got to see that this move is another offensive-minded coach being brought in to see if they can work some magic with this team again. Because James Harden, for as good as he is, I don't know if it's really going to work in Houston. I, I just don't know. Because he's been here for, what, eight years, maybe? Eight or nine years. Yeah. He's been here for a while, and he's gotten to conference finals of once or twice. And it, it might come to a point where you're just like, maybe this isn't working. Like, this is probably the last ditch effort with Harden, definitely for Westbrook. Like, they'll give this another year before they try to move on if things don't work out. But Harden, I mean, he's been their face, the face of the team for the last decade. Like, you don't normally trade guys like that. But if you don't see a future working out, like, you don't see this team actually competing for championships, I don't know what you really do. Like, Steven Silas is a good coach. So I, I think they did well with that hire. But he's not being brought to a team that puts fear in people's heart. I mean, they're not like a top five team in the Western Conference. He's not going to, like, change that overnight. I think there's a lot of things they need to, to do in the offseason to help Steven Silas bring the most out of this team, whether it's, you know, offseason – signings trades there's got to be something done because they lost in what the second round and they tried that small ball stuff they traded Clint Capella which I don't know if I would have done that especially knowing that you were gonna you know clean house with the team like let the next person come in and make changes to this team before you do any of that I think there'll be more of a traditional style offense. Um, I think that you'll see Tyson Chandler, a uh, player like that, actually get some playing time um, instead of having PJ Tucker at the center at six foot five. You got to get him some sneakers first. I think he's been sitting with some UGG slippers for the last year and some change. He hasn't he hasn't used basketball shoes in a while. <laughs> I think you'll see him off the uh, off the bench getting some playing time. Um, I think this is the last year that they try to make it work with Harding and Westbrook, even though it's not like they've had a bunch of years and time to make it work. I don't feel Westbrook is culpable for most of the blame. Uh, this has been Harton's team for a while now, and it was CP3 came in. Yeah, I got rid of CP3. And they tried to blame it on CP3. And we, we saw this year that was – not the case. No. That was not the case. It was not CB3's fault. This year, you heard little reports and rumors that they try to put most of the blame on D'Antoni and Westbrook. I don't think that was the case either. I think – I don't want to say it's Harden, but at this point – You might have to look at it. Yeah, it might be Harden. Like, he might have to change his style because this ISO 20, di 20 dribbles a, a possession is not really winning you championships like – Kobe even said it. He said, like, that style of play will never win in this league. And, you know, that's a guy that I would take his advice. I wouldn't keep playing that way. If <laughs> if he says it's not going to win, I'm not going to keep trying to score 35 points and get knocked out in the second round every year. Like, that's not fun. That, yeah. that 
I'll put you up there as one of the greatest scorers, but you'll be in that same category as like Barkley. Like, what did you really do? You didn't win anything. Like you had great stats and stats are great, but people judge you mostly off of wins and championships. Why do you think Kawhi sits out as many games as he does? As much as it like pisses people off, he's done it. He did it with the Raptors the last year. And what happened? He was fresh in the playoffs and won. Like, it's just, I don't know. Harden, he might just have to change his game up. Maybe he's not the guy to bring up the ball. You know, maybe you score 27 points a game, still a lot of points, but you don't need to like hunt for points. Like that's not helping. Like there's so many other guys that could help on this team. Like Eric Gordon, he doesn't get used as much. You got, I mean, you have Westbrook there and even Westbrook can sometimes get a little crazy out there on the court, but I don't know. Maybe Steven Silas can get these guys to come together and, you know, you might just have to have a heart to heart with them and be like, Hey, listen, this is going to be the last go around with you guys. So let's, let's see if we can make this work. you got to change your style up, Russ. You got to, you know, maybe you score less points. You look at it um, outside of like a Michael Jordan. It's not often that the league leader in points actually goes on to win the championship. Um, Kobe had to learn it at one point, so did Mike. Um, the 35, 40 points is great. Like in the interview, Kobe mentions it. What he's doing is remarkable, but it's not going to actually win a championship. So some way, somehow, you can still get your buckets because we all remember the, the years of Kobe averaging 30, 35, and 60 points and 81 points. But ultimately, he was not winning anything, and he needed the help of his teammates. I think they actually have a pretty solid roster. P.J. Tucker, uh, Eric Gordon, who was huge for them in the playoffs while Westbrook was out, which is obviously apparent, hey, you could use him. He should be averaging 20, 25 points easily off the bench. He could be like your Lou Will type of player off the bench. Russell Westbrook, he still had good stats this year. Um, I think you'll see even a more productive Westbrook, efficient Westbrook, without it is this three-ball offense. He's not a jump shooter. You go to a more traditional style offense, maybe you do something where you see like they had in Dallas, and you have a more efficient Westbrook. Let Westbrook kind of be like a Luka Doncic, who really wasn't shooting that many threes. He wasn't really efficient shooting a three either, but he shot it here and there. You got Harden, who would still get his points, get his buckets, and maybe it's not, like you said, 30 dribbles. Maybe we cut it down to 10. Can we, can we negotiate that? Instead of 30, you do 10. I might be pulling teeth, though. I mean, he's so used to dribbling so much, he might be standing off the ball still, you know, air dribbling. So <laughs> you get those 30 dribbles of possession in still. <laughs> but something that we have to look uh, forward to um, is still we don't know when the NBA season is going to start. Uh, you have the draft coming up this month. The draft will be here in 16 days, November 18th. Um, there's talks of it starting this year, December 22nd, starting next year. Right now, the NBA is fearing if it goes to 2021, they are projecting that they'll lose anywhere from 500 million to a billion dollars lost in revenue 
and $4 billion if fans aren't allowed in arenas. When do you think probably is the best time for the NBA to start? You, you even heard Jared Dudley saying, if y'all start in December, you're going to see players like LeBron not playing those first couple games. I mean, that's, that's a valid threat because, I mean, if you care about the, the well-being of the players, then you should know that after basically a, a season that took a year because they were still working over the break while, you know, the league was shut down. It's not like they took that much time off to, you know, relax and stuff. Cause some of these times they were still trying to finish the season. So that's a whole year. And then what, you only give them two months to be ready for the first game, which is really like a month and a half. Cause you still got to do training camp and all that stuff. So it's like, what are we doing? You're going to see some injuries happen to some key guys in this league that, they'll be upset and they'll be upset with Adam Silver and he'll have to eat that bullet. But this could just be avoided. Just push it back to, like they said, Martin Luther King Day, push it back to like mid-January, give them that extra month, you know, make it three months that they're off instead of like two months because it's not safe. It's not, they need their bodies to recover, especially like guys like Anthony Davis, who, you know, they get hurt more often than other people. So this this could be detrimental to them. Some people who have free agency coming up, that they, they're not going to want to play that soon and risk, like, millions of dollars. That's not going to happen. So I think that the thing that the NBA needs to do is just, just get out of the way now. Just say, you know, we're going to push it back. We're going to set a date end of January, that's when we're going to start the season. Lay everything out already because, I mean, all this speculation is making these NBA players not happy with the league because you're going to bring them back too soon because you want to, you know, the league had to push the games back. Normally the NBA would be going on right now, but because of, you know, the virus, everything had to change. So maybe they just shorten the season for maybe the next year or two before they go back to the full season that we're so used to. It's just gonna, we gotta, you know, accommodate everybody right now. Like this is time, we're in times that nobody could have seen when the season started a year ago. Like it's just different. So I think that with the NBA, just just fall back, just, just push it back to 2021. We're not starting in 2020 that's way too soon and like like they said if lebron's sitting out that's like mahomes threatening to sit out in the nba in the nfl like the face of the league you can't have that you can't have guys like defying your authority to your face and expect the rest of the players to respect you and not follow suit so just I think a little it's a little too soon um Maybe we could figure out. I, as a fan, I'd love to see it this year. I'm gonna just be honest. I'd love to see maybe you do December, you do Christmas, or you do the end of December. Um, the two teams that really suffer the most from this, everybody else, I like the Warriors, the Knicks. Y'all have had y'all break like more than enough long break. It's really the Warriors, I mean, the uh, Lakers and the Heat. It's been 50, if they start when they're supposed to start which is December 1st will be training camp. That's 51 days 
of a break actually for the Lakers and the Heat. Every other team, I think, will be able to be able to get ready by then. This is just me talking as a fan. I'd like to see it this year. I think maybe it's something that they negotiate and discuss with the Lakers and the Heat. Maybe they give them the later games. I don't know. Outside of everybody else, the other, what, 30 teams, y'all need to, the other 28 teams, y'all need to be ready. December 22nd, game time. Um, the NBA, it's a business also, losing a close to a billion dollars. That I can't see that sitting well with the NBA. So maybe they do something where, like the NFL, you know, you have the, they did it for the bubble. Maybe you continue it where they have in the contract some type of uh, insurance. If I get injured with us starting earlier and sooner, I'm covered. I think if you give that as an option, I think you probably see more players be more open to actually playing uh, earlier. You have the also things that you want to consider. You have uh, the draft November 18th as 13 days before training camp. So your rookies are hopping right in. So there's no preseason. Santa, no, league, no nothing. No all-star game is going to happen this year. Um, so I think, like you mentioned, no summer league, nothing like that. I think those are things to consider um, with it. But me personally, as a fan, I want to see it this year. So maybe the NBA and uh, Players Association could come to some type of agreement. So, um, so you're saying you don't want the, the Lakers to repeat because you want them to go into the season with tired legs and exhausted because they didn't get a chance to really, you know, rest. That's what it is. Huh? I see this being a year that you'll see the Lakers specifically do low management. I think this is a year where you see LeBron take a book, take a page out of Kawhi's book. Um, Anthony Davis, the same thing. I think with them, especially with still it not being the same thing, even if there are, you know, they're going to be playing in their home arenas. You won't see home court still really being a factor. With that being the case, as long as Lakers get into the playoffs, top three, top four seed, we'll see the repeat. We got to see. Then, who knows if we even have fans? So it's that, that's another thing. Yeah. They could lose even more money this year. So I think on that front, they'll 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 still lose money regardless. Even if they start twenty twenty one, at some point, one you're still not going to be able to have fans. So it's still going to be a loss of money regarding the fans aspect. But I think in regards of the Lakers repeating or teams getting to the finals that were in the playoffs on these long runs, if you're really that elite of a team, a la Lakers, Clippers going to be in that conversation, Warriors, um, just get into the playoffs. You get into the playoffs, there's no real home court really. And I think you'll see what how you'll see teams work out and Lakers will be back in the championship. That'll be the mindset. I think it's just something that they're going to have to, you know, negotiate. Um, and when you look at it, you got to see, too, when we had this discussion, we'll, we'll bring this back up because they still haven't figured out what to do. What happens in the offseason? Who's getting traded? Who's getting signed? Then you could really look at, like, all right, let's say, for example, the Lakers don't sign anybody, don't get any new additions or a bigger name. You might then want to wait till January if you're the Lakers. You might want to wait till then because you got the same roster. But if you get a couple nice new pieces and your reloaded stack, you get rid of Jared Dudley and bring in an actual person that's going to play. You get rid of uh, maybe Cook, who didn't really play. You get rid of him, add some other pieces. I think you'll be having a different conversation. But 
that's for this episode. We'll see what happens with the Lakers, uh, with the NBA season. Y'all already know how it is. You know the vibes. If you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. Bench mob, we out. Peace. I think that was a good episode.